0: If you'll take your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26, it's probably a familiar passage. I'm sure you've heard it quite a few times, but I want you to get a fresh mind about it and understand that we're here for a purpose, understand that we're here to learn something from God, even if we have heard it a million times, even if we have heard the same story repeated to us. I want you to look at it with a fresh mind because I know that every time I go to the Word. Whether I've heard the same story or read the same story a million times, I always learn something new. So don't forget that when we're reading this passage. Chapter 26, verse 26, says, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But this I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung in hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. So today we're observing the Lord's Supper. We know that. This is why we're here. But why do we observe the Lord's Supper? Is it for a ritual? Is it because we're supposed to, it's the right thing to do? More importantly, why do you observe the Lord's Supper? Not just we as a collective body, why do you specifically come to the Lord's Supper and partake of the elements that are before this? There's a specific reason for the Lord's Supper. It's not just something that we do. It's not just something that we come here and we make sure that everybody knows that we're here and we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, checking off all of the boxes. We have a specific purpose. There's a reason that these elements are before us. There's a reason that Jesus Christ told the disciples to take the bread and eat of it as an example of his body and to take of the cup and drink of it as an example of his blood. In this same chapter in verse 17, we see that they were already there for something else. They were there for the Passover meal, which we know that the disciples took part of because they were Jewish. Most of them were Jewish people. And Jesus Christ was a Jewish person. So they took part of the Passover as they were remembering that God brought them out of the land of Egypt, through the Exodus. So when they were doing that, they were doing it in what? In remembrance. And we know that Christ says, do ye ye this in remembrance of me. So this Lord's Supper is for remembrance. It's so that we can remember what he did on the cross for our sins. So I want to explain a little bit of that to you. The first thing we see is the gospel. And it's a simple message, but it's a powerful message. The most powerful message. It's a message of love and of holiness and of peace. Christ lived a sinless life. Throughout his entire life, he lived a perfect life. He was born in Bethlehem. His parents fled to Egypt. Then they came back to Nazareth. He grew up, and he lived a perfect life without sin at all. And then he was tortured. If you'll go with me to the next chapter, chapter 27, verse 26 as well. Verse 26 says, Then released he, talking about Pontius Pilate, Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And that word scourged just means to be whipped. Verse 27 says, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. After being whipped 49 times with a nine-tailed whip that had objects tied to the ends of each tail. They put on clothes onto his back. Have you ever gotten a cut, even if it's a small one, and then maybe it's like on your arm or something, and you put on a shirt and you have to be really, really, really careful, or else it's going to slide past that cut and it's going to hurt. Jesus Christ was whipped to the point of almost dying to it. He was whipped 49 times, and they told them to stop because if they lashed him one more time, he would have died by the whipping. So I, I want you to imagine, however gruesome it is, how bad his back would have looked and how much pain he was in from that lashing. And then on top of that, they put on a robe that covered his back. We'll keep reading. Verse 29 says, and when they had plaited, which just means to tie together a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying, hail king of the Jews. This crown of thorns already hurt significantly because they were thorns going into his head. And they made sure that it was on tightly. They didn't just lightly put it on his head. They made sure it was on there. And then they mocked him. They humiliated him. And we see that three times throughout the course between Christ's arrest, and when he was crucified, he was humiliated. But this is one of those times. And then verse 30, and they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that, they mocked him. They took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. So not only did they already put a scarlet robe on him, Then they took it off. To me, what's worse than just having clothes on you when you have a cut or something, is when it's taken off. Because then all of the few pieces of dried blood that have stuck to whatever clothes you're wearing, all of that rips off of your skin. And then they led him to be crucified. So he was tortured. And then we see that he died. He was hung upon the cross by nails into his hands and his feet. And then he suffocated on the cross. And then he was buried by a man named Joseph who took his body to a grave, put his body in the the tomb. And he did all of this for us. He didn't do it just for some far off person that we don't know or can't know. He did it for each and every one of us. And he knew it was coming. He was not aloof. He was not a fool. He knew that he was going to be crucified. He knew he was going to be tortured. He knew he was going to be humiliated. And he suffered it all, anyways, for each and every one of us. But then we see that he also arose, and he arose victorious. And he also did that for us. I was in children's church with Brother Jacob, and he said this morning if Christ had not arisen, he would not be God. He had to arise. He did that for us. And then he paid our debt. All of this was to pay our debt. It was to make sure that we have access to the Father and access to heaven so that we can have eternal salvation. But we also see the symbol. This is what the Lord's Supper is. It is a symbol. The symbol is shown in the bread and the cup. The first one is the bread, of course. And if you go back to chapter 26, verse 26, he says, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples. So the first thing he says is he blessed it. If this is a representation of Christ, then what does that say about Christ? He was blessed by God. And then he break it. Christ's body was broken for us. And then it was shared. He gave it unto the disciples. It was shared for all men so that we can go to heaven. And then the second thing is the cup in verse 27. It says, and he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. The blood of Christ was consumed in heaven when he ascended after he arose. And because of that, we can go to heaven. That was the sacrifice. That was the atonement, that he took the blood offering to heaven so that we can be saved. So the Lord's Supper is a picture. Of course, we know the elements don't turn into his literal body and blood when we consume it. There are those who believe that. It's a picture, and the picture is for our remembrance. And then we see the meaning. So the Lord's Supper gives us a reminder. is to bring your thoughts to what Christ did. We're not just supposed to remember the gospel and what Christ did for us on Easter and on Christmas. We're supposed to continually remember it. Remember it at all times. How can we serve Christ if we don't remember what he did for us? How are we supposed to? It's something that we're supposed to be thinking of, hearing of, processing. We're supposed to even be speaking about it on a regular basis. It's not something we're supposed to come to church and remember for a few fleeting hours and then forget for the rest of the week. It's something that's supposed to be on our hearts and on our minds all the time. We're Christians. Christian means a follower of Christ. How can we be followers of Christ if we don't remember what he did? So then we also see that the Lord's Supper can be a witnessing tool. We know that from what Paul says in 1 Corinthians that if somebody is not saved, then they're not supposed to take of this. So if you ever see somebody who's not saved, and they're sitting in church, and they see that other people are partaking of the Lord's Supper, and maybe they don't know what it is, it's your job to go tell them. You're a Christian, a follower of Christ, so... I hate the slogan, what would Jesus do, because it's overused, and it seems like nobody really pays attention to what it actually means. But really, what would Jesus do? If Christ was in this building, and we were having the Lord's Supper, and somebody was not partaking, what do you think he would do? I personally think he would walk over to that person and talk to them, and tell them why we're doing this any of the apostles, they would do the same thing. And then we also see that the Lord's Supper is a connector. It's for us. It's for the believers. It's so that we can make sure that our hearts are right with God and right with each other. It's a connector between us and God. It's a connector between us and the brethren. So if we're sitting here and we have all of this turmoil in our lives and we're not really devoted to God, we're not really paying attention to God, we're not really serving God the way that we know we ought to, and then we partake of the Lord's Supper, we're missing the point. And Paul even says in 1 Corinthians that that is dangerous, for many have slept because of it. It's a checkup. Where are you at? Why are you here? What are you doing? I'm knocking on your door. What's going on? This is what Christ is doing today. He's asking you, where are you at? Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Is my message on your heart and on your mind? So ask yourself that today. We have to have a clear conscience to take part of this. We cannot be aloof. We cannot be misunderstood within ourselves to know where we're at, what we're thinking. If you're not willing to have a right heart with God, I plead with you, don't take it. Please don't, because of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. But more so than that, I more plead with you that you would write your own heart with God, that you would ask God to search you, to figure out what wicked way is within you, and that he would demolish it. So I want you to remember his sacrifice. Specifically, remember the day that he saved you. I want you to really think about that. What was happening that day? What was your thought life? Where were you at then? What were you doing before you got saved? And what's changed? Where are you at now? What are you doing now? Does your life indicate that God loves you? Or does it not? And then I want you to repent. Turn back from all of the sins that you've committed because God loves you no matter what and he is going to forgive you if you are saved, if you are a Christian. He's going to forgive you if you come to him. He wants to forgive you. He wants you to come to him. We are his children, he loves us just as a father loves his child. A lot of times, I was a child. I'm pretty sure everybody in this room was a child at one point. I'm sure everybody in here has made one of their parents bad at some point in their lives. I know I have. But sometimes all they want is you to come to them, tell them you're sorry, tell them you love them, And they'll forgive you. And it really is that easy. You don't have to do anything. You didn't have to add to your chores to make sure that you made up for whatever crime you committed. All you had to do was come and ask for forgiveness. And if you think a parent's love is that great, imagine God's love. He's ready for you. He's beckoning you. He's asking you, please come to me please, I will forgive you. Don't think that he's just standoffish. He's out of your life. He doesn't love you. He's not going to forgive you. He is a just God, but he's also a merciful God. Yes. That's part of justice, is his mercy. So I'll pray, and then I'll hand it over to Pastor Williams. Lord, thank you for everything that you've done today and thank you for this Lord's Supper that we're able to partake of today and I pray that you would bless it and that you would bless everybody here and I pray that the service would go well, that you would bless Pastor Weems and help us to remember you and to show our love to you and to turn away from any evil and wicked way that you see within us. I pray that you would search us and find out the wicked ways within us, and truly destroy them, and that we would live a life indicative of you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.